Hey, awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch or recap television shows we really enjoy most of the time and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy Tallerman, and I am joined this week by my co-host, Danny Calamari, who is currently healing a CGI bird. Yes, 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 this bird is being healed. I really hope nothing bad happens to me karmically because I'm doing this. <laughs> Why would anything go wrong? You're definitely not putting your own life force into this bird to keep it alive. It's um, Exactly, I'm doing the right thing. Nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah, that's that's how it always works, right? When you do the good thing. Good things happen to good people. That's the exactly. phrase, I believe. <laughs> uh, we are talking about the season finale, the spotlight finale of uh, Echo. Season one, episode five, Maya, in which there are fireworks at the powwow. Well, <laughs> yep, there's. I'm glad there were fireworks at the powwow because there wasn't much on the TV screen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was not impressed with this ending. Um, no. Endings are hard, you guys. Uh, I'm a writer, I know this stuff. Endings are really freaking hard to do. Uh, but they gave it an attempt, didn't they? <laughs> they certainly put out something. Yeah, they kind of they tied it all together. Attempted. Yeah. Maya got to see, like, yeah, her mum. Um, and Yeah. Yeah. Got to get a cool new suit. Um, and there were fireworks. There were fireworks. The there were fireworks at the power. That, look, they delivered yeah. on that. I they do made notice- one promise. One promise. Certainly Actually, you know what? They say fireworks plural. I only saw yeah. one. And then they cut away to somebody's face and did the lighting effect. So they probably maybe couldn't even afford those fireworks. <laughs> uh, it, um, all right. So what happened in this episode? Um, Maya tried to leave town. Um, Kingpin kidnapped her cousin and grandmother. Uh, so she came back. She talked to her mother, and um, then they tried to kill her at the powwow, but she healed Kingpin a little bit, and then they had a barbecue. <laughs> not with Kingpin. Not with Kingpin. Um. I should I should point out, <laughs> not with Kingpin. Although, if, well, if it was like the Fast and Furious next season, he's going to be one of their team. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, they did a bit of a punch, and now they're going to be mates. <laughs> Actually, there wasn't even a punch. There wasn't. Oh, I honestly tuned out in the fight scene. I wasn't sure if there was punching or not. <laughs> no, not not by Maya herself. No, not oh. not to him. I thought there was like pushing or some. Okay. I think like to others, but just not not Kingpin. Oh, it wasn't a great fight scene. Like no. Well, actually, I will say that fight scene. We've talked about this before. That it was very the Marvel multiverse role-playing games type of fight scene where it was Which one, sorry? the, the final one with um, mm-hmm. that. It was kind of like one person gets an action, but these reaction means that you're able to take them out and then somebody else does yeah, something, yeah, yeah. you do the same sort of thing. And then it's your turn and you just punch and do the, the healing magic that you were going to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that kind of tracks for me. I'm okay with that, I guess. It definitely wasn't like a D and D combat where there's a lot of stuff going on. It was just kind of people standing there for a little bit and quick little bursts of action, and then it's over. Yeah. 
And I guess I'll accept that. <laughs> it's in my action yeah, TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I guess when we, we run through stuff and talk about things more in depth, we'll probably bring up more with that. But yeah. it's yeah, it's just a funny way to go about it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And the semi-unexplained healing magic that it can heal emotions just as much as it can heal dead birds or mm. dying birds. Um, I guess that's a thing that can do. All right, let's talk about healing magic. Let's talk about healing magic yep. and how it can affect uh, role-playing games. Because oh, healing magic, I mean, it's what what is it good for, really, besides bringing people back from the dead? What, uh, good. What do you the game going sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's there to to continue the game going. It's like, oh no, we're in this fight, but I really want to keep fighting, but I'm on zero hit points. Okay, well here's some more hit points. It's basically a way yeah. of keeping everything going. And I wonder about that. I sometimes I'd like it if it's like you have no healing. You just got to try to avoid getting hit more so than anything else. Yeah. So that's um, slightly more fun to me, but it's also a bit more planning. Um, I guess is a way to do it because that's more real life to me. Yeah, uh, removing healing magic entirely. But I like this idea that they did kind of connect. Um, what's her mother's name? Taloa. Taloa healing the bird with the car accident. Yeah, the, yeah. I think. Um- like you, you just pointed this out to me right before we started recording. I hadn't even picked up on that myself. So, yeah, but I do like that whole that concept. If that's what they were going for, I think they were meant to. I don't think they're saying that every time someone heals, there's got to be balance and someone must die. I think it's a little bit more like there is balance. Yeah, that that there always will be a balance between these things. That if you are a healer, then it's taking away from somewhere else. And that might be a bad case in some things, like where Taloa dies, or maybe it's a good case in some times, like you're drawing it off from fungi or something, something that's able to heal yeah. it. So I'm thinking of, um, say, The Witcher, where they have mm-hmm. um, magic like that, where you're just moving energy from one creature to another to cast spells. Yeah. Is it The Witcher that does that? That sounds right. Think it's probably been a, shoot. a while. Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched But I, I do, I do like. There's part of me that likes it as a balance in a role playing game because it's a really cool world building idea that the party has yeah. to go and find someone to heal them and like here's some potions. You can have as many potions as you want. It's like no, but my arms off. Cast regeneration. You're like right. all right, and you cut. They cast regeneration and then they just fucking die in front of them. <laughs> like well. <laughs> There's got to be balance. You got your arm back, but yeah, I've got a, I just had a heart attack. So um, I'm going to have a sit down and write out my will, <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you get to go back and keep looting dungeons. Good luck. Yeah. I think um, in, in terms of world building it, it's not, um, not great when you have like um, churches or different places that can just heal nearly any injury. Right, like it takes a lot of the stakes out of things, but then when you're looking at into it as a game, it becomes a bit difficult to get a good balance of world building and mechanics. I was thinking something like um, other games beyond 
D&D. Like we kind of expect there to be hospitals and things like that in a more modern setting. Yeah. And I can see why players, I always say players, I can see why anyone would want to introduce that idea into their world as well. It's like, well, obviously there must be a reason why people are able to do this. So yeah, let's have a magical sort of hospital in the same in the same vein. Yeah. But that also brings in the cost. It's like it may not be a physical cost of the healer dies after fixing you up, but there should be like a coin cost or something. Oh yeah. If it's if it's a modern day magical hospital, then there'll be taxes on taxes in different things. Maybe you only have a certain plan that doesn't give you um, access to certain gods, magics. You can definitely do all that with a with a more modern setting, I think, and have I fun love, with that whole concept. I love that idea. Yes, we've got the insurance with um, the God of Healing, but you don't actually have with the God of Sight, so unfortunately you're going to stay blind for a while. Yeah, that <laughs> curse, we're not able to remove that one until you get the premium package. <laughs> See, exactly, I, I think. I there, just, there is ways to balance it. Great. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I was thinking more like in a Shadowrun or in a um, in a cyberpunk game or something where they've got the police, not the police, the um, the paramedics and things have to report, report gunshots to the police. Like if you're on the wrong side of the law in a lot of the games you are, you don't want to be reported. Like you don't want any of yeah. this to be, you want it under the radar. So there's the cost as well. It's like you can get patched right. up, but it's going to, it's going to affect you. It's going to make things a little bit trickier from now on. Yeah. So I, I like, yeah. and I'm just wondering if that would be the same case in like a D and D one where it's like, you can go to the temple, but everyone's going to know you went to the temple. Yeah. It's like, maybe the only like temple do... in town is like the evil temple. Mm. Like I do like at least, um, I don't know if you've seen how Matthew Mercer from Critical Role does like um, revivify with Dungeons and Dragons, but he he turns it into a bit of a role and a role play segment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think in normal D and D revivify just happens if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, the, I'm um, sure there's not much. Yeah. You just kind of cast it and you use other components and boom, you're back. Yeah. It's, it's um, stuff like that. I think, especially with bringing someone back to life, mm. um, there should be some sort of cost, even if it is just narratively. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, like you said, like exchange of energy. If you are bringing someone back to life and you're signing your own um, will essentially, or I don't know, different different ideas that you can play with. But I think bringing someone back from the dead or healing something major should come with some sort of something i guess not Mm. just be super easy to pull off i like the idea that um healing someone from the dead basically you have to give them your time instead like you've got oh yeah i don't know 70 years left you're like okay this person's only got another 20 years so i'll just give them the 20 years that i've got and so every time they cast a spell like that they get older and older and older so elves and other long-lived creatures they might be the best healers because they've got so much to give whereas humans like no way am i going to be doing that yeah Uh, yeah i i like that idea i'm gonna use that one later on i think um (laughs) 
And what was the, oh, I was thinking about something else for it as well, for that, that same cost. Could you remind me what you said again? I was listening, I promise. Cost, I'm um, just then, you mean? Yes, that's right. Um, the cost of minor healing that revivifies something oh. that Matthew Mercer has, like for role playing and mm-hmm. uses, but general healing stuff. It's like, no, no, that just works because coming back from the dead and particularly bigger spells like that should have extra cost. Yeah. And that's factored in with D&D where it comes to spell components. It's like you've got to have that 300 gold diamond to even be able to cast um, to cast Revivify. Yeah, which I guess early on is difficult, but I think by the time you get Revivify mm. in D&D, a lot of the time you've got a decent amount of gold by that time in a lot of campaigns. But then it so comes. The- then it becomes, do you say, okay, you've got 300 gold. Did you buy a diamond with those or did you just have 300 gold and assume that you would went, go and buy it whenever you could? No, I would say you would you would go and like you'd still get the players to go and buy it. Mm. But I think, you know, then if you turn around and go, oh, well, there aren't diamonds here and you'd need to go, like I think certain players could get upset because of like, well, I've taken this spell. Like I've used my level up to take this spell. I want to be able to actually have it. Yeah. So I think it becomes, I don't know, it becomes a bit difficult. I always feel that it's one of those ones where the first time you take it, you've got to go and find the diamond. And then every time you cast it, you can go and like whenever you're in a town, you're just like, yeah, spend the 300 gold, you get the thing back. But you always have to to have that. It's like if you haven't spent that gold, it's basically like a little tick box. It's like got components? Yes. But I think that's part part of the game trying to bring in mechanics for a cost for this. It's like you can't just do it. You've got to have the gold. Like, this is why so many spells have... You don't even need the material components if you're able to use a focus or something, unless it's got a gold quantity. This is some one of the rules in there, that if it's got... Um, you yeah. need a certain amount of items worth this much gold, then you have to have those items. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's... That works in theory, I think. It just... Yeah. It's... And it's like, it's this that kind of brings up, I think, what becomes a bit of an issue with Dungeons and Dragons itself, where lower level feels more fun because you do have like gold is an issue and getting the items and stuff becomes more of an issue. But higher levels, like I was saying, you just usually have so much that it like the components don't begin to matter because you can just get it so easily. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, to, there was an old Order of the Stick comic many years ago where somebody went in to buy like a bunch of rubies for a spell and like, oh my god, it's on sale! I got them for for five hundred gold instead of six hundred. And the master goes, no, apprentice, go back. The spell says six hundred gold worth of rubies. Five hundred gold isn't going to cut it. So I don't care if you got a deal. I need six hundred gold worth of rubies. It doesn't say for on sale. Yeah, that, that whole thing's confusing as well. Like, how does the spell know it's worth yeah. 500 gold or whatever? Like, what if the, what if the, um, what if the value of each thing like, decreases? And <laughs> Depreciation is a major concern yeah. when it comes to spell components. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Speaking of uh, depreciation and, um, well, I guess signs that things are getting worse, that when Kingpin shows up in this episode, uh, he's in a black suit, not in his usual white. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like that. That was that nice little foreshadowing of like, oh, now he's gone evil. Before he was just kind of mean. <laughs> but but I did have some. He goes I, back to white. Well, he goes to gray. Oh, right. Yeah, which doesn't mean anything. And then he goes back to white at the end. It's like, I thought it was actually going to mean something. It's a blue suit at saw. the end, I think. Is it? Of course it is. He's, he's mixing it's it up. Sad. He's going away from the from the binary. Uh, he's going into chromes. Yeah. But there was a couple... He's, like, talking with Chula and, like, mm-hmm. noticing her necklace. They're talking about sign language. And I'm just... And she's like, oh, and my granddaughter. Her name's Maya. And there's, like, a moment I'm like, wait. Did he not know who she is? Is this like like a literal random happenstance and he was just being really creepy and talking about her necklace? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think like, the way the camera works and like looking at his face definitely leads you to believe this is like he's just like, oh, wow, what a coincidence. This is lucky. Yeah, but this is so good the, for me. That is, I'm like, and like not to hate on the show too much but that doesn't that's not kingpin he would know yeah like the second he would have Maya on his like payroll he would look up every single thing about her yeah like there's no way he wouldn't know who he's who her family members are like i felt that when he bumped into her i'm like oh okay he's doing that thing where he's like going to get close to her but then it made it look like oh well i've just had an idea i can <laughs> i can kill her family like mm. You've only just had that idea? Okay. Which means okay. he was genuinely just down at, what, the post office, was it? Where yeah. Was he? Yeah, he was just, like, I think I assume it was the post office. Maybe it was the tourist center. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but I like the idea that you have that, because the music changed as well when he showed up. And it was very much yeah. like, now it's menacing and ominous. And I like that when you have a villain who can come in and you get to show them, no, no, now it means business. Like yeah. they they're not in the cool robe anymore. They've got the armor on, guys. They're they're here to work. Yeah, I do like like hitting players at that moment where like if it's the type of villain that toys at them a bit and like maybe in the past have fought the villains, um, you know, um, followers or anything like that, mm. and then you bring the villain out like in the armor or the new costume, like oh no, we're we're actually doing this now. Mm-hmm. He's got a, he's got like a new they're, toy they're now. They're a threat. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you say to them or what um how you try to ruin a, a monologue. They're still gonna they're still gonna hit you with some powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that his um his villain speech later in the episode. I'm jumping forward um, because Myers removes the contact lens, has to get translated <laughs> through Bonnie, and it's shot all basically from Myers' perspective, where. You're kind of seeing Kingpin talk, and then it jumps over to her. She looks over to Bonnie, and it's like, "I'm, I'm so evil. I, I'm going to kill your family." She's like, "What did he say?" <laughs> like, it totally undercuts all of his menace, yeah, which is not great when you want him to be menacing. But it's just, it's really fun. Like, no, and how? Why would he let them communicate? Because he, yeah. he doesn't know sign language, so he doesn't know what they're saying. 
Did I miss the part where he realized that Maya had taken the contact out? Like, no. was that... I thought there must have been I, something because, like, she's having to sign and tell Maya what's going on. I, from what I remember, I don't know if there was a scene at all because from remembering when I was watching that, I was like, oh, we're not doing the thing anymore. That's just gone. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there was ever a moment where they just, like, said that that was gone or even had him notice that she had taken no, it out. I don't think there was. No. Oh, it just, it was, it felt a little bit like the end of She-Hulk, where they're like, could you change back? It costs a lot of money to have you look like this. Yeah. So, could you could you take the contact out? It costs a lot of money to do the ghost hands, so we don't want to <laughs> use it anymore. We blew our whole budget on the ghost hands last time. We don't have any yeah. more time for ghost hands. Yeah. That that one rocket launcher later on, we've got, we've really got to have that explosion. Otherwise, um, yeah. And it also Otherwise, looked there like there wouldn't be any fireworks at the powwow. That's right. There'd be no fireworks at the powwow. They um it looks like they let Chula go home and get changed. Cause she's wearing a different outfit than she was when we saw her last when she was in the post office oh tourist center. Oh my god, she is. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, wait. Oh my god. I'm just looking at it now. You're right. So so did he like follow <laughs> her home? Like because we see her talking to Kingpin and it seems like, oh no, he's going to get her now. But no, no, they either grabbed her at home, which we don't see at all, just kind of assumed, or they got her and went, oh, well, we can't have her like this. Let's go send her home and get changed. Maybe, maybe he left the post office, tailed them, waited for them to get ready for the powwow. Yeah. But, but even then... <laughs> Why? But Biscuit says that she didn't show up. Like, she didn't even make oh, it to the power. Right. So clearly they grabbed her from the house. <laughs> but it's just, it's so ridiculous. Oh. It's, um, and I want to talk about the guys that Kingpin employs. His little henchmen, particularly no. Zane. Zane, the, is he British? I don't know, the cheap Jason Statham. Um mm-hmm. Where they get into the powwow, like I'm not even sure what their plan is at the powwow. Like there's yeah. at least two vans of guys with assault rifles just to take on Maya, plus all the guys that Zane brings with him to like look around for her, and then Zane on top of the camp of the RV with a rocket launcher. Yeah, like is is that all just for Maya? I think their plan was to blow up the powwow. So they were just going to kill everyone. Yeah, it was purely being evil for evil sake. For lols. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's not about sending Maya a message. No, because they were going to kill her. Weren't they? Yeah. Exactly. It's just so... It's so hard-carrying, mustache-twirling villainy. Like, when Biscuits yeah. is trying to get them to come in... I love this moment. We'll talk about it in a sec. But Zane's just like, no, I'm here to see the neat indigenous festivities. Like, dude, you don't need to just, like, be a weird racist about this. Like, fly under the radar. 
You can park out in the them. in the customer parking lot. You're like you don't have to go into the vendor. There's no need for you to be in there. <laughs> it just draws attention to them. Yeah. It's such a bad plan. <laughs> it's such a bad plan. But his his the interaction between Biscuits and and Zane when he's trying to get in, that felt very PC plan energy to me. Like getting past the guard who's like, all right, cool. So I'm just going to need to check your identification. Nah, I'm just going to go in here. All right. But I, I really need to see your identification because they should have given you like a tag to come in. Like, no, I'm just going to drive it. Like, all right. All right. I, I'm just here to organize the parking. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like they always treat guards like these obstacles oh, to go past and it's like no they're just some dude doing his job who just really really wants you to present the right paperwork like that's all i'm asking it's really easy it's right there on the dashboard you're not reaching over and getting it <laughs> like <laughs> i had um i had players recently who were trying to stop this wedding from happening in a game and they actually they came across the bride and groom early, earlier than they mm. thought they would so to get in one of them's like yeah i'm 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 the one marrying you. I'm like officiating the wedding. And like, no, you're not. No. Like, you can't just say that you are. Like, we know who's doing this. Yes. Like, we got, we paid someone, someone quite a lot of money up. to do this. And then someone yeah. else like, oh, I'm catering. It's like, we don't have catering. <laughs> yeah. This, is a, this, this wedding, by the way, was just the two of them. They had no one else there. It was just a private ceremony. So it was like, no, we don't have catering. <laughs> We're eloping. No, 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 no. I'm the band. I'm with the band. <laughs> but we didn't hire a band. There's really this is literally what happened, but it's so funny because it's just like that thing of like a rolling for gaslighting essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. And there's really only two that's one of the things where skill checks really come in, because if they do roll high enough, you kind of have to roll with it. And go, all right, how are we going to explain? All right, cool. I guess one of them's like, great, I'm so glad you catered the wedding for us. This is such a nice surprise. Um, yeah, exactly. it's like, or, or I guess in the in way Biscus does, like, all right, just just go. I don't I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. No. Um, it's, with that, hmm. in terms of weird PC plans, Biscuit's plan... Oh, at the end, them. yeah, yeah. Um, I've got something better than a gun. <laughs> Just a truck. Oh, biscuits. The the villains, the go the the um, goons, yeah, like the the goons in this. They feel like um, you know, like the bad guys or adults in a kids' movie. Yes, that's what I was just thinking. That this entire end sequence feels like the end of WandaVision. Yeah. Where the the kids had their own little, oh, we're going to beat this guy up and we're doing it. Ha ha, look, I'm running around really fast and tying him up. That sort of feel to it. Yeah, where they're all idiots. Yeah. Because, and especially Kingpin, like, yeah, like you said, who's he hiring? Like, who are these people? Yeah. Like, they're terrible at their jobs. So bad at their jobs. And... It struck me even more when um, it's like they're in a different show because yeah. Zane's on the roof with the rocket launcher and he's like getting it down there. And then he looks through the side and he sees Henry there with a the gun and he's like, oh, no, and gets shot. I'm like, <laughs> no, 
No, you don't say, oh no, you fire it at Henry. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you have the bigger gun. <laughs> yeah. Don't stop pointing the big gun at him. Oh. I get uh, yeah okay I just don't have any words left for them no I know and yeah. I guess yeah I mean that might lead into talking about the final confrontation with Meyer and Kingpin but that might be a yeah. separate thing but yeah <laughs> um no let's talk about it now I feel that we've done okay. everything we can talk about with these guys <laughs> Like, the confrontation... Well, how, do, how do you... Oh. Go? What were you going to say? I was going to say, I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> actually, that's not true. I did like that Maya's plan was to heal him. Or not maybe plan, yeah. but that was what she went with. In theory, I, I also like that. <laughs> yeah. Because I like that aspect of um, having a... Having a villain there, the combat isn't is this just the start. Where you have the combat and you bring them down to zero, and then they stand up and like, well, we're going to keep doing this again and again and again. I'm never going to stop. I'm always going to survive and have some rule or something or like some ability that allows them to do this. I'll just flee. It doesn't yeah. matter what you do to them; they will come back. And my go, but why do why do we have to always be doing this? Could we not? Yeah. And then go into that mindscape and have a role play aspect of it. Like that to me was a really cool scene. Yeah. But it then didn't really pay off. No, not not within the context of this show. Within yeah. the idea of it in a role playing game, having your players turn around and be like, No, we're resolving this without killing each other. With our, words, really yeah. mm. with our words, yeah. With our words. Rarely happens. Oh, very rarely. Very rarely. Um, but it it can happen, and I think it can create some really great storytelling mm. within there. In the context of this show, the way they did it, I just, it did not work for me at all. And well, it seemed to really hinge on Kingpin's childhood trauma. Yeah. But, like, the actual emotion of all of that was explored in a completely different show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, Which... I knew it because I've watched all of Daredevil. But I'm going to assume not everyone has. <laughs> and no, and... expected to. Even if you have, Daredevil was, like, how long ago? Seven years? Yeah, it was a while ago. And I wasn't in that invested then, honestly. <laughs> like, it's... Like... Yeah. I, I liked I liked the Daredevil show. Um, but, like, and even in there, his relationship with Fisk was more personal. Like, there Ooh. was... I don't know, it, there was stakes. Fisk was always menacing... Mm. Um, and the way this ends, like, I don't, like, personally for me, and this is, no, like, and this is me being a little bit of, like, the Marvel fan in me as well, <laughs> a little bit hurt. Um, mm. he, 
he cries and it just i don't know the it doesn't give me a sense of i don't know fear with him especially yeah. if we're going forward with kingpin and it's not not about him crying it's just the context of it right yeah and just the again like you said like the maniacal mustache twirling runs off afterwards like a a Saturday morning cartoon. I'll get you next time, Echo. Exactly. He gets defeated and runs off into his plane. (laughs) And then I have quite... Okay, he was defeated. But was Maya successful? Because he's all like, what did you do? What did you do? It's like, well, clearly she did something. But what did she do? Yeah. Like, does he feel better and not feel the need to murder people anymore? Does he just not want to kill her? Any? It doesn't. It didn't make sense of what she was doing. There was anything. No, it didn't answer anything. And I feel like I'm okay with one character breaking Kingpin down into tears because I can fan wank that away. I can say, okay, it's very emotional. This is like a daughter to him. All of this kind of stuff. He's jumping backwards and forwards. Yeah, yeah. But there's no resolution. There's no payoff. There's just something happened and then another thing happened. And And I really didn't, throughout the show, I didn't buy their relationship enough to feel like that emotional moment was earned either. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, we got a lot of... I feel it's one of those ones. (laughs) Poor Marvel can't catch a break. If they do a short (laughs) series like this, there's not enough time to get everything. And if they do a long series like Daredevil was, they got to pad so much in a couple of episodes that it just bores people. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Look, it's not easy. (laughs) So you really can't can't get it right. I realized what I loved about the little in-the-head scene thing is Mm -hmm. that... um, Kind of like a, in Doctor Who, in the David Tennant run, speaking mm-hmm. of, of the other Defender shows with David Tennant, um, mm-hmm. that he would always give people a choice. Like, he'd always give the villain a choice saying, hey, this is your chance to do the right thing and not go down this path, because if you go down this path, I will have to destroy you. Yeah. And that's felt like what Maya was doing, that she was going, hey, you don't have to do the things you've been doing. She's fine. She's giving an NPC a choice. And what I really liked is if if that was a role playing game, that's a character who is fully bought into the world and is seeing that NPC as another person. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then the, the game master, like you could do a role and go, well, if you've rolled well, yeah, they choose the way you want, or they choose the same thing that you did. But if you roll poorly, then they're choosing the way they always have. They're not going to change at all. And I love that idea of giving an NPC agency from the players, because the players are usually the only ones with agency in a in yeah. a role-playing game, in my opinion. Um, so the fact that they're choosing to give it to somebody else is fantastic. Like, I love that concept. But this doesn't say what happens. No. Like, there's no choice that's made. Like recently, and it was, it was that same that same group with the wedding. They like I had been setting them up to kill this guy, and then I, one of the players was like, "Oh, I kind of don't want to now," because they found out more about him. And yeah, she was like, "I don't think we want to kill him," and mm. I'm like, "Yes, good. 
I like hearing that. Mm. Um, and it's great, yeah, like in the role-playing game. But like you like with this, I think, you know what I think it is? Mm. We start this series with her bombing yeah. an entire factory of people. Yeah. So when did she stop? Being just... a villain? Because <laughs> she's been a villain this whole time. She no, no, just her, mother, her ghost to... mother. Her ghost mother put <laughs> the fingers on her chest and that healed her heart inside. And now she feels better. Because oh. that's what I was... I was thinking that as well. When did she stop being a villain? Because her mother's like, I love you. And like, is she going to add, even though you murdered so many people, you have murdered <laughs> so many people since I died. But I love you anyway because you're my daughter. But please stop the murdering. That would be really good. Like, they, they, we're very the strict same. about the murdering. Yeah. It was the same in Moon Knight, actually. He kills so many people. And then he doesn't kill the final guy because he's the final guy. Oh, God, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. And I, I really... Me, I don't like that trope. It, like, annoys me. In a role-playing game, right? Like, you're mm. just going to expect that your players are going to just be killing characters that they come past. Murdering you everyone, play yeah. that off as... Yeah, like, it, when you're not writing a, a, um, a masterpiece when you're doing a role-playing game. That's yeah. fine. With the show, though, um, unless there's a real specific reason... Like, the not killing the final guy, but killing everyone else feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, You kind um, of want it to be in the reverse in the role-playing game, where they're like, no, no, we can let people go. We can let the, the little henchman go, but that bad guy, he's going down. Yeah. I remember a game. I was doing a test, some, um, some play testing for an adventure. I've still ridden somewhere. Um, but it was very low level. And they had like a gargoyle, uh, there was a couple of goblins, there were some imps, there were all these things to fight, and then there was a spectre. And now the spectre was overpowered, because it was the only creature that I really expected them to talk to. Because like, it was just going to pop up out of the, the, the tomb and be like, oh my god, I'm dead, what's going on, kind of thing. And all the rest they were just going to kill and find information for. However, they decided to talk to everyone. They talked to everyone they came across they got the goblins to form a union and go on strike (laughs) they talked to the imps who were like oh yeah you don't want to go in the next room there's a ghost in there and then they went into the ghost and immediately tried to shoot it in the face (laughs) like the one creature that they could talk to they immediately shot and everyone else they no 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 we're not killing them but the undead creature oh I'm, i'm killing that for sure and of course it wiped them out it's that just, perfectly encapsulates what it's like to like prepare a game as well with yeah. a role-playing game. Like it's just you can plan as much as you want. It's always going to be the the opposite of what you think is going to happen. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun though. It was so much fun. Um, what was I going to say? Something about the the players again. Um, yes, it reminded me um, that idea of. Giving the the players choice, uh, giving the characters choice, NPCs choice, um, and when it goes in different directions, it reminded me of the oh, what was the, I had him on? Um, tell me about your D and D character um, from. I'm drawing a blank. I'll edit this bit out later while I search for it. Hold on. 
if I remember to edit it out. I'm very good at those things. I can just keep vamping for time while I do that. It's um, yeah. It was a Tyranny of Dragons actual play, um, to oh, yeah. tell the truth. I'm just seeing if I can find what the the podcast is called. So here we go, The Lost Archives, um, which was a really, it's a really great podcast. It's still going at the moment. They've gone through a couple of different adventures. But very early on, they managed to have like a sub-boss villain, just one of the mini-bosses. They were able to not kill them, like basically beat them into surrender and then talk to them and go, well, why are you doing these things? And it's like, oh, because of this. And it's like, all right, well, what if we did that with you? What if you were our friend instead? And completely changed who this character was. And they ended up being an an ally for the rest of the adventure. Yeah, I, um, I had a similar moment. I had set up a whole arc with the campaign, this whole pirate arc. And it was going to be this back and forth between them and this one villain. They're like, he was going to be like the constant annoying villain that was going to keep showing up. And their very first, like, cause they had met him previously in like another adventure. Um, so I was reintroducing him their very first re-encounter with him, the charisma roles that they went for, um, and trying to get him on board and do all of that. They recruited him like right off the bat and completely <laughs> changed the whole course of this character. That's great. That's what I. That's what you want. Because then they again no, they I invest know. in it, that character. Absolutely, and it, like yeah. obviously, like you know, it changes my plans drastically, but it works for the better ninety percent of the time. Because yeah, like you said, it's about the player investment there. Yeah. Um, they've recruited this character, so they care about his well-being there as well. Yeah, yeah. You give him an NPC pet, and they love it for forever. <laughs> exactly. So it's very difficult to get them to love an NPC, MPP, NPC pet that you want them to love. But yeah. if they do, it's great. Um, I feel like because of the way that the show ended, we should just end the episode here. But we won't because I want to talk about that last thing. Basically where we were up to in the episode, just that it does just end. Like Kingpin runs away. Maya tries to leave town. Then she goes back for a barbecue and everyone says it's about family. Yeah, exactly. They all, they all pull in with their, um, super cars. cars. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone grabs a Corona from the, from the bucket. Yep. And Hulk introduces everyone to his, um, to his nephew or son. No, son. son. It's his son. Yeah. (laughs) It's his son. I don't know why it's a nephew. Yeah. That's definitely... this show and not not confusing it with any other marvel show any other marvel show uh there's definitely no other barbecues in any other marvel show uh but then we get the the stinger with kingpin for mayor which we've talked about it's like to me it means nothing it's like good for him he's running for politics is this like some sort of trump allegory is that is that the joke is that is it a joke yeah i don't know the end (laughs) it's definitely like a all comic people you know what this means yeah. He did this. He, he's, he's doing that thing. It was better when Lex Luthor did it, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was where, oh, there was a great comic ages ago where I think it was Lex Luthor and Norman Osborn talking like on the phone of like how to re- redo their image. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, I can't remember which one of them was. It's like, oh no, you just got to grow some cornrows. And Luther's like, I can't do that. Just give me some more advice. That was great. Um, that was the the thing. So I wasn't satisfied with this ending, but it no, was an was ending. I. No. And how do you how do you create a satisfying ending for the players? Because this is something I feel that the game master kind of gets all of the honors to do to um mm. kind of say okay well where are you in six years kind of thing and like wrapping it all up rather than you beat the bad guy congratulations a winner is you it's like you you want more than yeah. that and that's very much about what the game master does in that situation so i'm wondering if you've got advice for anyone on how you do that because i sure as hell don't <laughs> um I guess it, it really depends on the type of story you're telling, right? Um, and definitely keeping track throughout a campaign on what the different goals are or how they evolve. Mm. Because if the characters' goals are about, like, if they're just trying to stop the villains so they can take a break and settle down and things like that, then it's a bit easier to do your, um, what do we all look like in a year from now? What yeah. are we doing? Have you bought a house? Have you met someone? You know, all of that stuff. Um, you can do that. Um, it really depends. Like you could, it may even be like, what do you want to be doing now? Um, it could be like a, depending on the party, it could be a bit of a, a hint like, yeah, you're all going to go on more adventures. Not that you're actually going to like, run those adventures but just that thing of and they go off and they continue fighting the adventure um, continues yeah the kind of yeah, yeah the adventure continues um no i think it, it really really depends on the tone of mm. especially that final session because it could be yeah. your typical spider-man ending where you're at the funeral and <laughs> you know you're all standing yeah. around you walk off in your separate directions in slow motion um yeah, I, it's hard to give specific advice, I guess. But just, yeah, I guess, like I was saying, take notice of the players and the yeah. characters and what what they're wanting out of an ending, I guess. Like, what the characters want. doesn't mean the characters get what they want. It could be a bad ending in terms of, like, things going good for them. Like, it depends. Maybe they all died. That's could be a TPK or something, yeah. It could be a TPK. I was um, just thinking one yeah. way of doing it, like like you said, keep, uh, figure out what kind of the tone is. Like, what is it? Is it everyone stands on the end at a, at a dais and you get a giant glowing orb like the end of Star Wars? Or is it a barbecue with your closest allies? But I think yeah. that idea of maybe throwing it back to the players of, yeah. of saying to them, okay, we're going to do one more scene of you all celebrating this victory and kind of going, what does that scene look like to you? Yeah. And then say, okay, but it's been, it's been six months. What's changed for each of you? What are you all doing now that you've been victorious? Mm. I, um, hate to reference it again. <laughs> Rick um, and this is only, yeah. That's it, this cool. only works with the, sorry. 
No, cool, cool, cool. I'm glad. No, okay. <laughs> I got it right. I guessed it. Yeah. This only works for, I guess, for a longer form campaign and if you've got the time and all of this stuff. But um, the end of the second campaign, I'm not going to spoil anything about it, but they had a final session that was essentially the epilogue. Um, so they had beaten, you know, done the whole big the final, yep. big bad guy. And then there was a session post that where it was it was just a, basically a roleplay session of them playing through the events and time afterwards and mm. really got them to like really sit down and have those conversations, reminisce on the stories and the people they had lost. Um, that can also be good as well, especially for a longer form game because if you've been doing a campaign that's been going for like a year or longer and then it's just like, well, we killed him, the end, that sucks that hurts like just to say goodbye to your characters like that but to have a prolonged even if it's a shorter session an hour session or whatever but a prolonged kind of goodbye um i don't know i think that would feel really nice for players as well i think even if it's just like a montage like end of return of the jedi where it's kind of showing hey look you're all partying and you've got like a couple of moments with each player and saying what are you doing at this party how is your character feeling now are they standing alone are they who are they interacting with yeah like because again i feel that there's combat heavy parties and groups that could quite happily be like cool let's divide up the treasure the end i'm gonna buy all this stuff it's about yeah, looking at your players and how they're what what they're kind of looking for. Yeah, is it is it adventure that they're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so you basically throw it back at the players as well. <laughs> See what the players yeah, want, basically. and then make them do it. <laughs> it's my yeah, make advice. them make them do the work exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> honestly, I think that is. I mean, we joke about it, but that is good advice because the players, it's their story. You, as the yeah. game master, you've reached the end of your story. You've told yeah. all the things you were going to tell. You've had the world reach the point that you had planned for. But the players had other ideas. Like, the players know their story as well. So, it's like, all right, cool. I've told my story. Now tell yours. Yeah. It's a lot like, um, <laughs> um, I don't know if you've seen any of these videos, but it's like um, boyfriends struggling with their girlfriends not knowing what to eat and, like, this oh, I have a decision about where to go eat. Um, I'm familiar with and- the concept. I haven't seen yes. the video. <laughs> but um, there's this thing where they're like, th- instead they say, I'm taking you somewhere to eat, guess. And then oh, they yeah. just go to the first place that um, that she guesses. Yeah. Um, like that was always the plan. But it's a similar kind of idea where it's like, oh yeah, I've definitely got something in my head, but you tell me, what well, what is it that you're looking for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it that you're, you're wanting here? And then just run with that. Yeah. It's, like, um, I, it's it, amazing <laughs> that you guessed exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's that it, you, it doesn't have to break the illusion. Like, you know, we all know you don't really know what you're doing when you're running a game. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm what just does? making it up. Yeah. But the players, they might be under that illusion. Yeah. You can still keep the illusion up while still asking them what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully that's some good advice because I have <laughs> ended campaigns where... Well, actually, the, I feel the most common ending of a campaign is the, oh, we should we should schedule another game. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Six months go by, 12 months go by. 
and no no scheduling happens and the game fizzles out i think that's the most common game ending for most people i am all too familiar with those endings yeah uh and speaking of endings that is where we're going to end today's podcast um thank you so much for listening and joining us tune in next week where we're going to wrap up the whole series and answer your questions that have been sent in to the email address dndntvpod at gmail.com or on instagram which is at dndntvpod um or sent through to my instagram which is at talaman83 at uh, instagram or the same on blue sky and threads because i'm all about branding and for some reason my regular one without the numbers was taken a long time ago god damn you soup kitchens um danny is there a place you can is there a place people can find you online yes um you can find me on my instagram at danny.calamari um you can also find me on wednesdays on um, a live stream on twitch called let's roll for dragons i am currently playing a um ranger little chimpanzee boy um that's a lot of fun yeah i don't know um exactly when this episode will be dropping but it might be at the same time i'm going to be live so this this episode's going to be on the 21st of um 21st of february uh Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, that should be sometime on the twentieth of February for American listeners. And there are yes. some of you out there. So, what what time uh, Australian does it drop? Do, are you streaming? Uh, we st- oh, good question. We start streaming at six six p.m. All right, so that's PM, probably yes. six p.m. You're probably looking at about seven a.m. Uh, British Standard uh, Greenwich Time. Uh, which is probably looking at about 4 a.m. US time-ish. Hell yeah. But I'm sure there's video on demand on Let's Roll for Dragons. Correct, there is. Yeah, I I know this (laughs) stuff. So follow them, um, check us out. You can also find us uh, at Masters of Alchemy, who has brought you this episode today. Uh, Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service in Melbourne. Um, we are currently running games for Dungeons and Flagons at Fortress Emporium. There's also the Queens of the Quest coming up and the um, the Dungeons and Flagons mini campaigns, which are apparently still going, but that's probably something to look into on their website, which is mastersofalchemy.au. Or oh, the Fortress website as well, which I don't know where that is. That's probably fortress.com or something. Wait, no, that can't be fortress.com. There's no way it's that simple just be fortress.com.au. It's something else. Just search Fortress Emporium in Google (laughs) and you'll find it. Uh, And if you're searching for things, you should search for this podcast on other platforms where you can leave ratings and reviews. Uh, To get us out to more listeners, you can leave a five-star review because that will get you out to all the people. And you can also type in the tappy tap tap review and I'll read it out on the show Um, and just be like, hey, you're really cool. Uh, that that's a great review. That's one that I've I've seen many times um, already. So that's um very thank you for all those people who've already written that. It's definitely a real thing. I didn't make just make up. <laughs> Here's the part of the the outro where I pause to see if I have to remember anything else. Um, there usually is something that I always forget, but I'm just going to say thank you for listening. It really does mean a lot to us. Um, stay safe. Be kind to yourselves, uh, and may all your hits be crits. May all your hits be crits.
This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.